What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Good evening. Welcome back. Happy December. Can't believe it's December 1st already. And Christmas is just a few weeks away. Praise the Lord. We got most of all our shopping done. I think we got a couple more things to get. So if you're a Christmas shopper, I am just felt good this year to have it done early. Thanks to my wife, because she's the one that got a lot of that shopping done. But, uh, well, praise the Lord. Welcome to those of you tuning online with us this evening. I want to welcome you. My name's Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church right here in Jackson, Missouri. Our website is nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. Make sure you check us out on, on the website. But come and visit us in person, more importantly, on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. The address is 1225 Old Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri, 63755, and if you'd like to come on a Sunday morning, we are here at 1030 with our Joy Church family each and every Sunday, and here's the deal, there's food afterwards, so if you're hungry, you can eat, so uh, come on down, get you a meal on a Sunday as well, but join us on a Wednesday, we have some awesome prayer time on Wednesday nights, and we just kind of tap into what God has got going on, so thank you for those of you that are here tonight. And those of you that will check this out later online, we're going to be continuing this series, Moses, God's Deliverer, and Your Journey to Greatness. So see, I was able, years ago when I started to wrote this message in this series, God began giving me things that were happening in Moses' life that could compare to our lives as they're happening right now. And so We've just been having a good time the last three weeks talking about Moses. The first week we talked about set apart. He was a baby. He didn't have any control over it. It was only the favor of God that saved Moses from what he should have died, whether it was by natural causes or the Pharaoh killed him. His mama placed him in a basket in a river, believing that God was going to save him, and he ends up becoming God's deliverer, which we haven't got to the deliverance yet, but God preserved him then. But overnight... He went from baby who should have died to grandson of Pharaoh overnight, like that. That's how fast God can change your situation, no matter what you're facing in this life. The second week, we talked about running away. So even though this man had been set aside to do God's will and deliver Israel, he killed a man. He lost his temper, and he murdered an Egyptian. Wow, if God can use a murderer like Moses, he can use you. Look at your neighbor and say, God can use you. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. God can use you. So a lot of people don't know that part of Moses. Some people just know Moses is this great deliverer. Yeah, he had some issues, and it was in his bloodline. If you trace back, he's from the tribe of Levi. The tribes of Levi and Simeon were cursed for their anger and murdering a man. Wow, they didn't just murder one man. They slew an entire group of people. 
And they got cursed for that. Imagine that. So then we talked about family curses that week. And are we really destined by genetics? And I told you, well, it's up to you. Are you? Are you destined by genetics? Or are you going to go on what God's got for you? You can bind yourself by family curses and genetics. We, I believe they're very real. We talked about that that week. If you want to hear that, go to part two. But it's a real thing, and Moses at that point looked like he was just going to, he didn't fall far from the tree. He was just going to go along with what his family life said. Kill a man because you got mad. Third week, we talked about him sitting down by a well after he had ran, and we, or actually that was the second week, sorry. The third week, we, which was last week, we actually talked about the call and how Moses, God got his attention from a burning bush. And we asked you the question, what is your burning bush? How is God trying to get your attention? It may not literally be a bush, which we said that's no big deal. Bushes burn up in the desert all the time. The thing with this was, it wasn't stopping. It was continually burning. And God used that to get Moses' attention. So when we ask the question, what is your burning bush? We're asking, what is God trying to use to get your attention? And is your response going to be like Moses, where you step aside and say, I got to find out what's causing this? Seeking what God has for you, or do you turn around, walk away, and forget the whole thing happened? If you do that, it is your choice. If you do that, you're going to miss out on everything God has for your life. But if you will answer the call, we're still at the burning bush this week. We're going to talk about, we're only going to look at the first 17 verses of chapter 4. But we're at the burning bush still. Last week we focused on God getting his attention. This week we're going to focus on overcoming. What is your excuse? Moses had a lot of them. You're going to hear some of them tonight. He had some excuses. And he didn't hear him bring up the murdering excuse, but, you know, it's there too. Let's check out Habakkuk chapter 2 before we get into tonight's passage, which is our key passage for the entire series. Looking at verses 2 and 3, it says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. Verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak. And it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Because it will surely come and it will not tarry. How do you get Moses from that, Pastor? Well, he had a lot of that going on. Look at that passage again. Lord says, write it down. Make it plain so that he who runs may read with. But check out verse 3. The vision is yet for an appointed time. From the time Moses was born, God already had a plan that he was going to be the one God used to deliver Israel, whether Moses realized it at that time or not. And he was a baby, so he probably didn't. But at the end, he says, it will speak and it will not lie. God's not a liar. Don't make him out to be one. If God has spoken to you and told you to do something, it will Come to pass. Notice I didn't say might. It will come to pass. Your choices determine that. Are you going to follow it or are you going to walk away? Because it says, and this is the part none of us like. We've talked about it the last few weeks. Though it tarries, though it takes some time, wait for it. 
Heard an old evangelist years ago say, it takes time to make some good wine, right? Others have talked about it takes time to bake a cake. You know, if you throw out the ingredients for cake, like the flour, I don't even know what the ladies could tell you, all the ingredients that go into cake, if you eat those ingredients separately, you're not going to like it. But what happens is God gets a hold of those ingredients, mixes them together into you, pops you in the oven and tells you to wait because it's coming. And when you come out, you're eatable. <laughs> edible. Edible edible's the word. That cake tastes pretty good when it comes out the oven, right? So what God can do is take every situation, everything that looked terrible in your life, and he can turn every bit of that around, churn it into you, and make it good. That's scripture. I should have wrote it down. That's in Romans, right, Pastor? Where he could take all things evil and work them together for good. I don't remember the exact translation of that. Romans 8, 28. Thank you very much. Because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And we've been talking about if God has given you a vision, your waiting time is your preparation time. If you're not preparing while God has given you the vision, if you're not preparing while you're waiting, when it comes, it's going to be too late. To get started preparing. So while you're waiting, your preparation time is not wasted time. But God promises, if it's from him, it will surely come and it will not tarry. Once it gets here, it's time to move. What have you been doing with your waiting time? We're going to be in Exodus chapter 4 tonight. We're going to start there in verse 1. Matter of fact, we're going to read verse 1. And that's what we're going to start with. It says, then Moses answered and said, but suppose, because this is after God's called, and we got to that last week. Moses said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Now, the NIV here words it, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe I'm sent from you? I like that word, what if. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. You've got to ask the right question. See, Moses is asking a question here. He says, but suppose they will not. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to my voice? What if they say, Lord, you, he hasn't appeared to you? You've got to ask the right question because your question can be what if when God calls you to something. And you can start getting afraid of everything that could happen that may not, probably won't. But your mind's telling you it will. You're afraid, so you can continue when God says, I got something for you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to give specifics because everybody's different. You can say, Lord, what if? If I say yes to you, God, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? That's called living in fear, and we see that a lot now. We're going to talk more about that here in just a little bit, the fear thing. Or... Your question could and should be, what's next? What if, what if, what if? See, it's the people that say, what if? And continually are asking the question, what if, that never go anywhere in life. Because they're always worried about the what ifs, and they're not worried about, God, what you got next? Okay, God, I'm going to accomplish this, then what's next, God? What's next in my life? What is the next thing you would have me to do to see this vision you've given me fulfilled? God, what is the next step? you got to ask what's next if you're going to go anywhere. Or you can keep standing there asking what if and never go anywhere. 
Exodus 4, verse 2. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, it's a rod. And he said, cast it onto the ground. So he cast it to the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. (laughs) We're going to talk about that. And he reached out his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That that may, okay, hang on, I skipped a part. It became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. So the Lord says, what's that in your hand? Before you start asking me, what if, God said, what do you have? See, God can take whatever you got right now and use it to help you fulfill your destiny. He can. Or you can hold on to it, be like the guy that buried it and never go anywhere. That's in the New Testament. That's in Matthew. We're not going there tonight. So what's going on here? Well, the first point I got tonight, and I've only got three of them, so we'll see. It may be a short one, but we'll see. Is that you've got to overcome fear. We've been talking about this all summer. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. If you're afraid, that's not God. If you're confused, that's not God. He's not the author of confusion. There is a man who is, but he's your enemy. You got to overcome fear. Here's what happened. Where do you get that, Pastor? Well, take a look back at there in verse uh, 3. God says, cast it on the ground. He's talking about the rod that's in his hand. He says, cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. What did it say? Moses fled from it. Well, I agree with Moses. You're like me, you don't like snakes, you don't like, you know, I looked up definition of a serpent because I heard there was a difference, but really, you know what the dictionary said? It's just a big snake. So, they're one and the same, just one's bigger than the other one. All right, so it becomes a serpent, and if you're like me, I'm with Moses. If I throw that down and it becomes a snake, I'm behind the rock too. God, what are you doing? That's fear. Mm. God's going somewhere tonight. when I looked at the rod of Moses in this passage, God gave me something. He said, that's his courage. That's his confidence. That's the word I'm looking for. That's his confidence. He's got a rod. And if you don't know where I'm going with that, read we're going to notice it as we go, but read through Moses' story. He had this rod in his hand for a great number of miracles. And he used it to do a great number of miracles. That rod represents our confidence, your confidence. He told him to cast it down. It became a snake. He got scared. He went and hid. He done like some people do today. Why was that? Well, it's because Moses feared the serpent. Just like us. We would have too. Some of you guys just overly spiritual may have not been scared of anything. But, you know, first of all, you got a bush that won't burn up. Something's talking to you out the bush. Now it's told you to cast this rod down, and it turned into a snake right in front of your eyes. God's showing him this is how I'm going to prove that you are who I say you are. So God will show you a serpent to test your courage. How many serpents we got in the world today? Woo! I'm not going to go there. But you know what I'm talking about. Mm, I want to say it, but I'm not going to say it. 
We got some serpents trying to turn some things, all right? That's all I'm going to say. If you're paying attention, you got eyes to see, ears to hear, you see it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. God will show you a serpent. He's testing your courage. He's testing the church right now. Do you bow or do you stand strong? I hope so. But you see, God's delivering all this stuff. It, you know, my wife got him, the governor this week. Who, who saw the message to the governor of Missouri this week? It is now illegal for healthcare workers to be forced to be vaccinated or to be forced to be masked at work. Whoa, that just happened Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. Oh, wait, I don't even know what week this is. It was, it was, when was that, Brett? You're the one that sent me the message. Monday. It was Monday or Tuesday. And Well, that was because a, a judge determined it is illegal to force someone to be vaccinated. So guess what? Those that stood their ground for their beliefs, they're praising God right now. Those that caved, I'm not saying you caved because you made a decision. The decision's yours. But if you caved because you were afraid, those are the ones like, what was I thinking? Why didn't I hold out? We've been telling you for months. God says, hold on. It's, it's, we're in the middle of it. If you're not paying attention, you don't see what God's doing right now. I gave you a sight to see the headlines. It's imploding. Everything the enemy's been trying to do is falling apart right now before your eyes. The mainstream media is not talking about it. Those trusted people that we're supposed to look to aren't talking about it. Woo! The ones that are supposed to be honest with us aren't talking about it. But God's doing some stuff. Praise the Lord. Do you have the faith to do what's next? What was the next thing Moses had to do? God said, pick it up by the tail. What? Okay. First of all, I read the Bible different than everybody else, I guess. I put myself in the situation. If I'm Moses while I'm hiding behind the rock from the serpent, which is a big snake, and God says, pick it up by the tail, my first thing is, what would you say? Excuse me? Did I hear you right? Right? Do you have the faith... You talking to me, <laughs> John, over there? Do you have the faith to do what's next? Because the only antidote for fa fear is faith. Faith over fear. Wow. So why does the enemy attack with fear? Because if he can get you afraid, you won't walk in faith. Mm. But Moses did it. It doesn't say how long he sat there. He could have been there for a minute. Are you sure? Because we don't get everything. We weren't there. If I'm Moses, I'm sitting there for a minute. Are you sure? When he finally got brave enough, we'll just say that, to reach down and grab your confidence because you were just afraid. You laid your faith on the ground and it became a serpent, made you afraid. But you got faith. You grab it by the tail. What happened? Moses picked it up by the tail, and it changed back into a rod. Confidence was restored. Whoa. Once he overcame his fear, it became a rod again. Can I tell you something? Because we're talking about the call of God still. What started as a rod 
ended as a rod. What started as your confidence when you fell to fear, victim to fear, you pick it back up, your confidence restored. Why do you need confidence? Because if you do what God's calling you to do, you're going to need all the confidence you can get. Because God doesn't call you to do something that's so simple you can handle it. He's testing your faith. Now, there's little things he tells us to do, like, you know, maybe he told you to give money to people or on the street, whatever, you know, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the call of God. When God gives you a vision, it's something you can't do yourself. It's got to be done with other people. Got to be. Verse six, furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored like his other flesh. And then it will be that if they don't believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, the snake, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be. If they do not believe in either one of these two signs, even the two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land. The water which you take from the river will become blood on dry land. Woo. So as I'm looking at this and, you know, God's giving me stuff, kind of like a download, right? This one's the one I looked at for a minute. God, where are you going to go with this one? Well, you know what I noticed as we prayed more and more about it? You got to overcome the flesh. It was his flesh that got affected, right? Because flesh will only hold you back. It's not going to take you anywhere. That's pride. That's everything else. That's your flesh. It will hold you back. So he put his hand in his cloak or his bosom comes out leprous. Well, I looked up the le- what leprosy is, right? And it's a nerve disease. And it also results in bumps and stuff on the skin, right? And it's pale, apparently. But you know that it's a nerve disease in the fact that that's why when you see people missing body parts, it's because they could set their hand in a fire and they wouldn't feel it and it would burn it off. Things like that. That's leprosy. It affects your nerves. You can't feel. But it also has other things, too, like the bumps on the skin and different things. But I found that interesting. Moses could have panicked. He could have panicked. Threw it all away now, right? Second sign. Maybe he overcame the first one. This is too much. He could have, but he didn't. He could have panicked once he saw the leprosy. But because he was obedient, mm, catch it, because he was obedient to God, God cleansed him again. If you can't overcome the flesh, you're not going anywhere. Because he obeyed God, he was made whole again. Without obedience, he would have remained leprous. Think about it. He stuck it in and came out leprous. If he hadn't obeyed and went in the second time, he'd have stayed leprous. Are you going to overcome your flesh? Or are you going to be afraid and panic? Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. 
<laughs> Most of us aren't. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord, God's getting mad, but it's a holy anger, so it's good. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? And I know he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. God's already set things in motion that he can't even see. Moses is, or Aaron is always on his way to meet Moses. God spoke to him. Ooh, I've heard some instances of this type of stuff happening here recently, lately. Praise the Lord. Let me continue. I know that he can speak well, and look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Because you got to think, Moses hasn't been back since he murdered a man. What are the Hebrews thinking? Hmm, let's keep reading. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Wow. We're going to talk about it, but check this out. You've got to believe in yourself. Point three. You can overcome fear. You can overcome the flesh. But if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going anywhere. That's confidence. Do you believe in yourself enough to know that regardless of your shortcomings, we'll call them, God's got your back? Because if God called you to do it, then you can do it. We'll talk about the verse that talks about that here in just a minute. If God's the one that spoke it to you, you can do it. At, at first, Moses said he wasn't good enough. What did he say? I am not eloquent. In other words, I am not good enough for this. How many of you have all, okay, if you can get over yourself long enough, that's overcoming the flesh part. How many of y'all have ever had that conversation with God? I have. God, I'm not good enough for this. There is nothing I can, I don't know how to do this, God. But I just keep saying Yes. And as you say, yes, God, God provides everything you need. And mer first, Moses' excuse was, I'm not good enough, God. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Why me? We talked about that last week. Why me? Then he asked God to send someone else. Anybody ever been there? God, are you sure you're talking to me? God, I can't do that. Just can't you send somebody else to do it? You can send Ruth to do it, God. Right? Or you can send Pastor Ed or Brett or John or anybody else. Send them. They can handle it. What's 1 Corinthians 10:13 tell us? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted or tested. Beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 
So when you are tested, there's another way to translate that. God provides a way out. Are your ears open? Because check it out. God knows you better than anyone. He already knows your weaknesses. God, I can't do this, God. God said, I created you. I know what you can do. Are you going to do it? God knows your weaknesses, but he also knows how to get around them. Say, what? Well, what? See, there's a couple of ways people have interpreted this over the year, and I'm going to tell you the second one's the one I like. One of the ways to interpret that Moses said he's slow of speech or slow of tongue is to say he stuttered. I don't agree with that. Here's what I believe, because I heard this preached years ago, and I, I agree with it, I think, 100%. Moses was raised Egyptian. He knew the Egyptian language. He knew a little bit of Hebrew, but it wasn't his common language. So when he says, I'm slow of speech, is it possible that he's saying, I'm not that fluent with Hebrew, God? I was raised Egyptian. So what's God do? Either way, it doesn't matter how you look at it. God says, Aaron is good at speech. Aaron's been raised in the Hebrew language, or Aaron's a good talker. So God knows his way around our weaknesses. Moses doubted, so God gave him Aaron. I got some amens. Moses doubted, so God gave him Aaron, a way out. Moses said, God, I can't, God, I can't, God, I can't. When God got tired of hearing it, he said, you know what? I know your brother. I know he's good at this talking thing. I'm going to send him. He's already on his way to you, he said. And when he meets you, he's going to be happy. Moses is probably thinking, I wonder if I've disgraced my whole family. I murdered someone and ran. You got to think about these. See, we don't think out the box in the Bible. That's not in the scripture. I'm just trying to think out the box. If I'm a man who's on the run for murder and all of my people know about it, I'm wondering if I go back, how are they going to receive me? And that's just thinking like a human. So when God said Aaron's on his way and he's going to be happy to see you, I think that helped the confidence out just a little bit too. This gave him the bravery to go on his journey. So God says, I'm going to send Aaron to you. And Moses finally decides to go. After all the excuses were out of the way, I'm not good enough. I don't do very good talking, God. God, send somebody else. No, I'm sending you. What's he sending you or you to do? How many excuses have you come up with saying, God, I can't. Here's why. God, I can't. And God's saying, I know you better than you know yourself. You can. You've just got to overcome some things. You've got to overcome your fear of failure. You've got to overcome your flesh. That's pride and everything else that comes with the flesh. And you've got to believe in yourself. God said, I didn't call you to sit on the sidelines. I called you to get on the front line. Get out there and do what I told you to do. There are people dying and going to hell because you're not in your place. Oh, man, I'm talking to some people. I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking to those of you that ain't believers. I expect you to live like heathens. But you got a call to be saved. You need to get saved. 
But it's the believers I'm concerned about. Continually got excuses as to why they can't do what God's called them to do. How many people have died and went to hell because of your decision? That blood's on you. Without the blood of Jesus, it's hopeless for you. All because we think we're not good enough. I can't. I can't. I just can't. The situation, if the situation was a little bit different, God, you know, if I hadn't murdered an, okay, this is for, man, I'm talking to somebody tonight. This, maybe if my situations, maybe if my circumstances, God, were just a little bit better, I could do that. But woe is me, God. Look at where I'm at. Let me say that from Moses' perspective and see if it changes your mind. God, maybe if I wasn't a murderer who ran away, who ends up in the desert, I can't talk. I'm not very good in that language. God, maybe, maybe if. I got a feeling there's many of you out there that your circumstances aren't near as bad as being a murderer on the run. It's just an excuse. And as long as you continue to use that excuse, you're going to stay right where you're at. What did we say last week? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always be where you've always been. You're not going anywhere. God has called you to greater things. What's the name of the series? God, Moses, God's deliverer, and your journey, your journey to greatness. Not something a good life. Greatness. What's God got in store for you that you've been running from? Because here's the deal. God sent Aaron to Moses to get around that excuse. God can use you without help like Aaron. He could have used Moses without Aaron. However, sometimes we need a nudge. Why did God give Moses Aaron? wasn't because he didn't think he could handle it. It was because it was an excuse. God said, I'm going to take that excuse away. I'm going to send you Aaron. God doesn't need that. He didn't need Aaron to get Moses to deliver because that was his chosen person. He did it because Moses couldn't get past the fact that I'm not very good at this. So God give him that to restore his confidence that he could do it. Because Philippians 4.13, I can do it all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now before you, some of you context people go off saying, well that is not what it's talking about pastor. Let me just go back to verse 10 for you. Paul's talking here to Philippian church. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned that in whatever state I am in, so this is Paul talking, to be content. You don't have to be satisfied, but you've got to be content where you're at so that you can reach where you're going. Well, somebody write that down. Where did I stop? Verse 12, I know how to be abased, and I know how to be abound, or how to abound. I know how to be poor. I know how to be rich. I don't have to have everything. He was with Pharisees. He had some stuff. And he also knows what it means to 
to not have anything. But what did he say? Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. To me, that speaks to the situation. No matter where you're at in life, God reminds you tonight, he would remind you, I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ. No, you can't do it by yourself. But with Jesus, if God could be for us, who's going to be against us, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? Christians have forgotten that. They've got so involved in the comfortable church. God, you mean you want me to leave my comfort zone and do something? Absolutely. Get off the couch. Go do something. If you're not in church, there's a good place to start. Or open your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'd be glad to give you one. Come on by. We got a whole box of them. We'll give you one. Free. That excuse can be eliminated. If you never received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's where your journey starts. I'm going to stop with you guys so we can get into prayer here. You just simply ask. And I go through a prayer every week because it hits everything, but it doesn't take all these words. You just need to repent, believe Jesus came, rose again, and you shall be saved. Bible tells us he who overcomes shall be saved. He who endures till the end shall be saved. You just simply ask, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose on the third day, becoming victorious over death that I might live. I ask you to come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of all my sins. From here on out, I want to live my life for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In your name I pray. Amen. You pray that from the bottom of your heart. I'm here to say welcome to God's family. It's time to get started. It doesn't stop with a prayer. Salvation is not a prayer. It's a lifestyle. We are being saved. One day we will be saved. We reach heaven. It's a journey. Life's a journey. You've got to start your journey in order to go somewhere. Maybe you're one that's been sitting there living in fear. Afraid to surrender to God. I ran for God for, I'm trying to think of how many years I ran from God before I finally surrendered. I didn't want to preach. Some people don't believe that now they talk to me. I didn't. I wanted nothing to do with getting in front of people. Nothing. My uncle begged me at 13 to sing in front of the church with my guitar. I was not wanting to do that. But you know what? When I had Holy Spirit come in, all that changed. Now I I wouldn't live life without it. I still don't necessarily always like it. But I'm just doing what God told me to do. What are you running from? It's time to get back to God. God bless you. You need a church home. Make sure you visit nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. The address, the prayer line, all that stuff is on there. Make sure you visit the contact page. We would love to pray with you and meet with you, which is what we're getting ready to do here for those that have prayer needs. Come down, 1225 Oak Cape Road, Jackson, Missouri. We would love to meet you. God bless. We'll see you next week.